Hello and welcome to the 39th episode of Inherited Will, a One Piece podcast, bringing you the chillest vibes and the thickest thighs. My name is Thomas. And I am known as Jordan. We are a weekly podcast discussing each week's Ramanda chapter and a reread of past chapters. And uh, as fortune would have it, this is our anniversary episode. We've been doing this show for one year now. Congratulations to us. Claps all around. Yeah, I'm sure we're in the big leagues now. I'm pretty sure that's true. Uh, we'll be jumping right on in the chapter 1036, then later chapters 442 through 455. All right, you're the one that introduced it. Who here has the chillest vibes? Who has the thickest thighs? <laughs> Uh, thickest thighs, absolutely, Frankie. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, chillest vibes, um, I'm feeling Jinbei. Maybe, yeah, maybe Zoro. Feeling Jinbei. Yeah, he's got like a a hot beverage or something. It's probably some warmed sake, right? Yeah, that's probably the case. Uh, but like Jinbei over there is just hanging out with a tiger, looking at. I'm mostly just kind of looking at that house, yeah. frankly. But. Everyone else is, like, really bundled up, and he's just, like, bare, not bare-chested, but he's got his chest exposed and his jacket is open, so I'm going to I'm gonna give him chillest vibe. You would think that as a fish man, he would be, like, more prone to the chilliness, but that's where his vibes come in, I suppose. Fishman Island's pretty <laughs> deep down there. I'd, I'd think it gets pretty cold, not a lot of sunlight. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of like that bubble, though, but it's not, like, all encased in a bubble. Yeah, I, it that's probably a little bit like an atmosphere and retains some heat, but, like, I don't know. I'm not going to get into the science here because <laughs> I'm not smart enough to. And, uh, what's it say on Luffy's part here? Every drop in the ocean counts, Gotta probably. Gotta counts, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, Luffy, when you're right, you're right. Mm-hmm. Hope your wrist up there in the top right is not too chilly being on that snow pile. Uh, he'll be fine so long as he takes a look at Frankie's hair right after this. <laughs> 100. Uh, and I suppose that takes us right on into the chapter proper. 10:36. Bushido is the way of death. Starting off with the death. <laughs> Yep, there it is. <clears throat> this indeed appears to be the conclusion of Zoro and King. King took a hefty slash to the chest, which also cleaved his sword and his wing. Bummer. Yeah, <laughs> this one hurts no matter what. I don't think you can walk away from this one. No. As far as like losing his wing goes, the man has a second pair when he... Uh, Transform. So this isn't really much of a loss in terms of practicality, but <laughs> I'm sure it is slightly less convenient to have to transform every time he wants to fly somewhere. Yeah, I think this would still hurt a lot. <laughs> well, absolutely, but you know, <laughs> these are One Piece characters. They can handle a great deal of pain, generally speaking. Oh, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, as he loses consciousness. Uh, he has a brief flashback to back in the day. Uh, he was hanging out with Kaido on the couch with a little bit of meat on the bone there, uh, thinking that uh, Kaido might be Joy Boy. And 
Kaido just thinks this is gosh darned hilarious. War row 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 row, the man says. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a mystery. I don't understand if he. He makes he's so incredulous. Like it's just like, why would he, then, later try to do it? I want to know more. Yeah, this appears to be a fair chunk of time after the uh, that initial flashback we got where they first meet. Because uh, Kane looks older and he's like dressed and he's you know got more hair. Talking about yeah, that's true. And he's talking about not losing any fight, so I'm assuming he's, like, fairly beefy by this point. Um, see, I'm, I'm curious about the timeline of these things. I'm also, we know that Kaido knows about Joy Boy, for sure. But I guess we don't know yet who told who, right? Could Joy Boy be, like, tied into Lunarian lore in some way? And that is how Kaido knows? Or does Kaido know about Joy Boy uh, and told uh, Kane here at some point after the fact, after they uh, met? Uh, I'm not 100% certain, but I took it as King telling Kaido because just because Kaido says, is the world I'm creating really the one you wished for? And like that, Kind of makes it sound like it's tied with the idea of who Joy Boy is, you know? Like, there's a legend of them creating a world where... Bleh. Or whatever. <laughs> Indeed. Whatever the heck Caden wants to create. Or, or the Lunarians. anymore, apparently. Yeah, indeed. My guess is that... I think you're right. I think uh, it's probably wrapped in with Lunarian lore. Because we also know that... Uh, the world government wants those guys gone. So, I think that's all wrapped up in, in one storyline that perhaps we will find out about one day. Could be. Not from King. <laughs> <laughs> no. That man is falling a great distance. Yeah. We had a neat little parallel between uh, King and Zoro here. They each want to make their respective captains the King of the Pirates. Unfortunately, one of them is doing a better job of that at the moment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, Zoro makes a grand declaration that if Luffy's going to be the king of the pirates, I uh, guess he'll become the king of hell. And he looks cool while doing it. Yeah, not not the king of swordsmen. The king of hell. Uh, it's all one and the same. Swords <laughs> oh, are yeah. inherently from hell. Uh, to rule over one is to rule over the other. I know Mihawk would agree, so I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. That man looks like the devil himself, so mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. all checks out. Uh, Zoro uses a, like, sword impact technique, the same one he used before, to blast himself back up. Kane continues to fall, and we get the Tetspots indeed confirming the battle outside the dome, right brain tower. The winner is Zoro. <sighs> I've been seeing some complaints, uh, you know, just generally speaking, that uh, I've been seeing comparisons between this and the Katakuri fight with Luffy in the last arc, which I guess is fair in some respects, since these are both the top commanders of their respective Yonko crews. 
Mm. And people have been complaining about like the amount of struggle that Zoro had versus the amount of struggle that Luffy had. Um, and also the amount of focus each of those fights got. Uh, but I don't think it's fair to expect a Zoro fight to get as much focus as a Luffy fight, especially since that Luffy fight served as Luffy's endgame boss for that arc, right? Yeah, um, for sure. I do think the complaints that Zoro had a comparatively easier time with King compared to Luffy's struggle are fair to a certain extent. Uh, Luffy fought with Katakuri for hours within the contents of the story, and Zoro took down King in less than 30 minutes, shortly after receiving a savage Kaido beating. Granted, he got like a super drug regeneration thing in between those two things. Um, but I think the takeaway here is that Zoro with Enma and Conqueror's hockey is just way stronger than Gear Fourth Luffy from Whole Cake. And just gonna have to accept that, I guess. Uh, definitely stronger in certain ways. I don't know if he would win in a speed contest, um, but like he makes up for it in other ways, so I'm not sure if it matters. Um, yeah, but I mean, Zoro proved himself to be real fast. Just like it was described that when his flame is out, mm-hmm. uh, he's much faster, and I would imagine that is much faster. You know, even like, compared to other. Yonko commanders, I would think. Yeah, for if, sure. Like, speed is like the feature there. I would expect it to be considerable. But Luffy has future sight, so like that's null and void. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah, not not that it matters. But um, I mean, I, the the saving grace is. I mean, you said it. Like he he took the super drug, and he's he's gonna pay the price for this afterwards. Again, you said this already. One Piece characters can take a lot of pain, especially Zoro. That's true. Um, but like, he is—he is gonna be feeling this unless Oda decides to conveniently forget that part. <laughs> I don't think Oda's gonna forget. I just don't think it's gonna really matter. Yeah, he's just gonna <laughs> have a, just... a off-screen recovery time that's a little bit longer or whatever. Yeah, that's all I expected to come down to, but. Maybe we'll be wrong. And like I said in the last episode, Awakening might still be on the table, I guess. Uh, King fell, but in theory, he could fly back up uh, as a pterodon. But, you know, we'll see how that pans out, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately for the Alliance, I suppose, uh, this incident has been spotted by one of the Marys who relays this information to CP0 for some reason. Um, not really sure why they are still giving these guys intel when they've been sitting in the room when uh, CP0 has been on the phone talking about potentially taking over Wano. Yeah, that is but, odd. Uh, but I guess they have to receive orders to like stop doing what they were previously told to do. So that's the only way I can justify it, I suppose. Yeah, that's acceptable. Uh, but CP0 now knows that all the Toby Ropo and the headliners are all down. Tang is donezo. Uh, but they're not super worried about it just yet, because Big Mom and Kaido are still standing. That's fair. Like, yeah. they are <laughs> terrifying. Big Mom's looking real spooky in that chapter, in that uh, panel there. She doesn't look quite as big as she once did, but I imagine that's just a matter of perspective. 
She also makes up for it by uh, putting a homie in that uh, one eye beam there. So <laughs> it looks nasty. Yeah, Tate's uh, kid's entire middle arm to block that sucker. So he's probably about as strong as Kane was. Take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did the math real quick on that one. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, on the following page, we get a uh, brief-ish summary of like the non direct combat related things going on uh onidashima is almost at the capital if luffy takes down kaido the capital's gonna drop smash the flower capital explode and such because of the gunpowder that's down there it's all bad momonosuke is trying his best to pull that sucker away uh but also there's a big flame demon monster heading down towards the powder room so yamato would like to put a stop to that if it can be swung uh yeah Still not sure what the plan for this monster is, but... Yeah, it's like incorporeal. So, like, short of being able to maybe freeze it, even though it's, like, literally a ball of flames. Yeah, that I'm doesn't not sure make what much sense. <laughs> maybe just cooling it down enough so that it doesn't... Well, I don't know. I don't know what the plan is. It's also, like, alive. So... Yeah... It, it's all it's all very curious. Much I'm sure Yamato has a plan. Yeah. That's a very cute little Yamato face down there, though. Delightful. And that makes up for the confusing fire demon. <laughs> uh, speaking of Yamato, uh, they have arrived at the door to the armory. It's being blocked by what I think is the last number. Um, I did not verify this information, but I feel like it was just six remaining out of the ten. Uh Guard in the door, no time to mess with him. Fuga, do your thing. And he just bashes through him and the door. And they just keep on cruising through. It's just a non-issue. <laughs> Introduced and then eliminated. That's Indeed. peak efficiency. <laughs> Quite so. I suppose Oda felt as though we would be disappointed if we didn't get to see like the final number. So may as well give him a throwaway roll real quick. You know, fair enough. People would have been speculating like crazy if we never saw that one. So. For sure. And they kind of they could come back. Bit. I mean, Fuga's just kind of holding them back for now. Yeah. These numbers were built up to be pretty scary in there. I mean, up until when they really appeared. Uh, they've just been kind of been chumped on ever since that happened. So I'd like to see them do something notable. Uh, I don't know how notable it will be, but it, something could happen. Indeed. Fuga appears to... I mean, we still don't know for sure, but Fuga and the other two appear to be, like, maybe those samurai, so maybe something will happen with that still. Uh, but that's uh, my highest and only hope for these guys. <laughs> the others have been real chumps. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Uh, then we check in with your boy Usopp for a minute. Uh, he appears to have gone down and, uh, or up, I don't remember where, uh, uh, Kingdomon's to. top half was. <laughs> yeah. He's retrieved Kingdomon's top half, reunited it with his butt half, and also picked up Kiku along the way, and is hanging out on the second floor-ish, and, uh, trying to beat off the enemies that want to take him and them out. It's a nice goofy moment where he basically complains about being braver than them. 
yeah, we get a nice little, like, clash of uh, ideologies here, where all the samurai, including these two, are like, oh man, I goofed up real hardcore. I need to die to atone, basically. Um, but Usopp snaps back with, hey, I'm Usopp. No matter what, <laughs> I'm going to do whatever it takes to survive. Yep. And I think that is cooler. <laughs> uh, and they see the take at the heart. He ends it here like, why are you idiots so satisfied with just pulling off your raid? Uh, when, if possible, they should also live. And, you know, I think Kinemon and Kiku both should be dead. But, you know, since they're not, I guess this is fine. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I know Oda doesn't like to kill people off, but these ones are hard to justify. Um, but oh well. We've been through it before, but... I'm just generally of the opinion, if you don't want to kill people off, don't pretend like they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. And I've said uh, it, but I love a good character death. Indeed. It can be very impactful when done correctly. Mm -hmm. Looking at you, Ace. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of people who know Ace, uh, Izo's here. <laughs> uh, Perfect. <laughs> swooping in with a whole bunch of gunshots to rescue Usopp. Uh, sniper buddies. I'm sure they will learn much from each other. Yeah, uh, I do love this little interaction here. Yeah, Izo has uh, heard of him, even. Wow, he's famous. <laughs> yeah, calls him God Usopp and everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, Usopp is just so tickled by this. There's <laughs> a heart over his head and everything. <laughs> Pure joy. I love to see it. Good for him. Uh, but they get the heck out of there. Izo is going to take on uh, these guys. Don't know where Marco went, but uh, I'm sure he's dealing with something of import. I don't even know what else Izo has to do here. It looked like he got all of them in that one move. <laughs> Indeed. There are just so many gunshots there. And uh, guns kill people in yeah. one piece. So. <laughs> I don't think this person's claw or crab claws are going to help them against the bullet. No, probably not. Izo's notably beefy, so mm -hmm. this should not be an issue for him. No. Uh, but he takes off his shirt. He's got the Kozuki trash fat back there. Good that, for him. That's neat. <laughs> that's, that is pretty cool. I think it's especially neat because like, most of the Whitebeard pirates take on Whitebeard's crest mm -hmm. on their back. But uh, I guess Izo never did. Out of loyalty to the Kozuki's. Yeah, there's just no room. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You could squeeze in a little white beard in like the lower back there, <laughs> like above the bird head. Maybe. A tramp stamp white beard tattoo, <laughs> perfect. Yep, we. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I want. Not for me, but uh, we'll, we'll see. No, no, that's out there now. It's what well, you want. All right. Uh, we'll see. Uh, that'll be my New Year's resolution. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> um. Then we check in with the fight we've all been dreaming of seeing again. <laughs> yeah, it's so uh, good. <laughs> Rizo and the earlobe man appear to have caught each other in a paralysis jutsu, um, which I assume neither can undo, even if they wanted to, because they're stuck in a paralysis jutsu. <laughs> they both make it sound like they can, though. I mean... Maybe the like hand gesture they're doing isn't important anymore. Once the paralysis jutsu is done, it just has to be like mentally willed to undo it. But uh, 
I like my head cannon better. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's yeah, a lot. They're both just stuck for all time. Uh, unfortunately for Rizo, he is already on fire, which is not great for him. No. Um, but it's but, uh, okay. Odin went through a lot worse, so Rizo is also fine. That's true. And I'm sure this heat is probably nothing compared to like the boiling uh, oil that he was just above uh, not all that long ago from his perspective. So, oh, good point. Yeah, I mean, he's like his butt is literally on fire. So I don't know if that's true. But... <laughs> I <laughs> the other, I don't know what's hotter, uh, boiling oil or fire. Well, I think well, the it's contention also... here is he is actually touching the fire, and in the case of yeah, it was just the, the oil. He was just from... near it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure some splattered up anyway. <laughs> Moving on. Quite so. Sadly, moving on to Orochi. Yeah, there he is. Had to check in with him for a little bit. He's hanging out with Hiori. And uh, notably, uh, he wants her to play that song. Hmm. Wonder what that's about. He just loves it. Now, Jordan, have you heard of the five at Wano theory? Do you know what that's about? <laughs> no. <laughs> Is that a genuine no or a joking? No? A real no. I have not heard of the five-act Wano theory. So, Wano so far has been structured like a kabuki play. Uh, as I'm sure you've noticed with the acts and such. Mm. And generally speaking, kabuki plays have five acts. Uh, you're about to get a history lesson here, so I hope you're strapped in, son. I'm comfortable. Uh, act one... Uh, or Joe, as it is known, uh, is the opening act. It introduces the characters and the story and, you know, the basics. Uh, acts two through four, or the ha, that's where, like, the meat is, basically. That's the action of the play. Uh, generally speaking, leading to a tragedy or a dramatic moment at the end of act three. And then it climaxes in act four. And then act five is cue, or just the conclusion. So people suspect that Wano is going to have five total acts because, you know, that's how Kabuki plays be. Yes. Um, currently, we are in Act 3, which has been the case ever since uh, like the beach scene where like the scabbards arrived and like there were no boats and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've been in Act 3 for quite some time. So it is my suspicion, um, based on how this... Just the, kind of the fact that this chapter exists in the first place, just kind of as a mostly as a summary of what has happened or what's currently happening all over the battlefield. Yeah. Um, that we might be ending at three soon and going into at four, um, which I think is bolstered by the fact that uh, at the end, like opening and closing each at so far, has been Hiori playing her special song. And now Orochi wants her to play that song. Mm -hmm. So I suspect that uh, maybe in the next chapter or the chapter after, uh, Hiori's going to start playing that song. And then perhaps Denjiro, since we haven't seen that man in a thousand years and he has the <laughs> closest connection to uh, Hiori and Orochi in a manner of speaking, uh, perhaps he will swoop in while uh, she is playing us out of Act 3. Uh, kill Orochi for good, perhaps, 
And that'll be the dramatic moment to end Act 3 with. Could be. I don't know if that really would count as a tragedy if it's the one that we want to die. Well, most people think it's going to be a tragedy, but in my research it has always said either a tragedy or some sort of dramatic moment. Oh. Um, so it doesn't oh. necessarily have to be a bad thing, um, at least I'd from my still... interpretation. I, I would be surprised if Orochi goes out for good here. I think he's going to make it at least to Act 4, personally. I know Kaido is the big bad, but like the fact that Orochi has come back and is being kind of built up again, and I mean, he kind of sent the orders for this flaming spirit thing to happen, and that hasn't paid off. He's waiting for ninja man who's probably gonna go down like next <laughs> chapter or the one after that i would imagine i'd be rather surprised if Rizo actually lost that confrontation yeah. yeah um so i i don't know i guess i wouldn't be surprised if he was taken out but i don't know if i would enjoy it i suppose it is true that it would be a little bit strange for well i mean the castle being on fire in the first place is kind of been a big plot point for Wano. Mm -hmm. So I guess it wouldn't be that disappointing. And like you said, Orochi did cause that. But aside from that, him being brought back has not really accomplished anything for the narrative. Didn't so he be... make Conjuro, well, talk to Conjuro and make him make the flaming spirit? Did I make that up? That's true, I think. Still not clear if he, like, actually... Well, I do not remember if it was actually uh, him speaking, like, in the moment, or, like, perhaps uh, Kondro just remembered something that he said. Mm. I would have to go back and read the chapter. But, um, yeah, you're right. Uh, but I still consider that more of a Kondro-bolstered plot point than an Orochi one. Yeah, certainly. yeah, that's fair. Uh, but I suppose we will see how that goes. Um but I think that, that getting rid of Orochi sooner rather than later would be better for my mental health. <laughs> I would love it, no <laughs> doubt. But uh, now that he's been brought, brought back so many times, it's just like, now I, I need some good payoff on this. Right, right. And I suppose it might be a little bit anticlimactic if he just kind of went out like a chump at this point. Yeah, he is exactly. A chump, so. <laughs> we haven't even, yeah, yeah. We'll see. Every time he brings out his heads, he just, like, gets bopped or, like, doesn't actually kill anybody. It's a whole thing. It's because he's got uh, those weird flat teeth. Yeah, that's true. I hate him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> moving on, though. We'll see what happens with that in a chapter or two, perhaps. Uh, now we're back in the basement. Um, the second basement, <laughs> apparently. Uh, where Apu and Inbi the Number have apparently fled from the conflict between them, Drake, and CP0. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, Zanki and Drake not doing so great. <laughs> Drake looks awful. Uh -huh. Zanki, not much better, but like, that doesn't matter as much to me. Indeed. Notably, Drake is not yet fully out of his hybrid form. He's still looking a little bit dinosaur-ish in this panel, so he's not fully unconscious yet. Um, 
and I would be rather disappointed if this was the only thing Drake did in this uh, entire arc, because he uh, got off-screened, <laughs> if that is the case. Now, but, uh, here is a place that I could see an awakening happening. I could see him coming back with bolstered defense and stamina or whatever, and putting up a fight on screen. I think that would be yeah. really cool, and he kind of deserves it at this point. Like, he, he has become plot relevant so let's give him a real fight you know yeah yeah i can see that uh we know that law and kid already had awakening mm -hmm. and now they're just like learning to use it better here so that already puts them like on their higher pedestal alongside luffy that oda has been trying to put them on mm -hmm. um but if Drake is going to continue to be relevant to the story going forward with like his sword stuff, um, I could see him unlocking Awakening here. And uh, that's how he remains uh, a tough guy in a yep. world of super duper tough boys. Yeah, I like Drake's uh, power, so yeah. I want to see more of him. And it would be another Awakening, which would be great. I know that we are particularly hungry for him for some reason, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm sure the rest of the fan base agrees. No doubt. Um, yeah. I like this idea a lot. Good thought, Jordan. Thank you. Uh, CP0 does note here that it did take longer expected because he was pretty beefy. Uh, they had a phone call from their dude who was still chilling in that room. Uh, <laughs> wanting a status update and just informing him that, uh, or these two rather, that uh, the beefy guys are down. Then we check in with Sanji and Beppo, who has done nothing, but <laughs> he's still put alongside these guys anyway. Um, and Killer and Zoro, of course. And uh, Sanji's eyebrow is back to normal. I can't help but notice. Yeah, that's a big detail. I don't know... Well, so I have the like Shonen Jump app on my phone... And it doesn't give me many updates, but it decided to give me an update about One Piece uh, today. And it said something like, Sanji's serving up a new dish in One Piece or something. And I was like, well, what? So soon? Already? Uh, and I'm glad to see that that wasn't the case. But I'm just very confused by it. Uh, I was also confused by that when I got that notification. And it's because there was a new chapter of the Shokugeki no Sanji. Uh, Why did it give me an update about that? <laughs> That's just silly. Yeah. Of all things, that would not be how I pushed the new Shonen Jump chapters. But Yeah, I guess know. that'll teach me to read all of a notification, huh? Yeah, you goofed up in a big way. Uh, in respect to Sanji's eyebrow, I don't want to go too hard into it, Uh until we see Sanji one or two more times, just because it's possible this is just Oda goofing, right? I would like confirmation that this is indeed how it is meant to be. Yeah. Um, before speculating panel. too hardcore. Um, but maybe he just like. Maybe it's only when he's in combat that it swirls the other way, but like the exoskeleton and such should be like a permanent thing. So it's not like it's like a transformation that makes his eyebrow go the other way. It's all very strange. Um, but I guess we'll find out if that is indeed the case the next time Sanji appears. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it won't be too long. 
then we check in with uh, Big Mom and Law and Kid. Uh, apparently, whatever happens over the next several minutes is going to be a big deal across the world. Uh, CP0 also notes that there are other incidents occurring all over the world right now. So uh, I wonder what the deal there is. Big hmm. Big ho-hum to that one, CP0. Yeah, there are a few other big players in the world, but man, this is definitely the highest concentration right now. As far as like the last world news we received, it was like the stuff that happened at the Reverie with like Sabo supposedly being killed or whatever and trying to assassinate somebody or what have you. Um, and uh, the abolishment of the warlord system which we saw was setting the world ablaze but that was like weeks ago i feel like because that all happened before the like two week flash forward when luffy was training so yeah I guess perhaps something further has happened could be i mean yeah unless something is happening well i mean it does say all over the world as we speak yeah i don't know curious uh perhaps if at three does indeed come to a close within the next few chapters we'll get another uh, intermission chapter and we'll check in with the others of the planet well, that would be way too convenient <laughs> quite so uh but then we check in with the main event uh luffy and kaido duking it out a little bit uh still seems like Luffy is kind of on the back foot. Uh, he certainly takes more blows in this little uh, exchange than he dishes out. But uh, he lands one. A big ol' gum gum rock gun right on Kaido's big smug face. And that's okay. the catalyst for them both having fun. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, both having a great time going at it, which is probably especially notable for Kaido, because he doesn't usually get this level of challenge, but even for a Luffy fight, this is a bit unusual. Luffy usually, like, struggles pretty hardcore for a long time in his battles, um, even, like, the final one, because Luffy usually loses once or twice and then comes back. Um, this is, like, Goku behavior <laughs> that we're seeing here, which is out of the ordinary for your boy Luffy. Well, I mean, one, I guess if you're going to ever stand your ground and kind of give it your all, it's now. Um, <laughs> but also, he still could get beaten down. Like, again, Awakening is not out of the cards for old Kaido, of all people. Uh, so, yeah. It really feels like Luffy should still be losing here um, mm -hmm. because, well, allow me to clarify. It seems like Luffy will probably be losing again soon because Luffy is still fighting in his base form and maybe with gear third, um, which means that he can probably combine this on top with gear fourth, um, which would probably give him an edge against current Kaido. Uh, so I would think we need to see like an awakening or something from Kaido to put him ahead of the curve again if Luffy pulls out his transformations. Do you think there's any chance of a Gear 5? Um, I mean, maybe. 
I think Luffy would have to improvise it here and combine his conqueror's hockey in some way to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it'll be a, a gag initially. He'll like try something and it'll like look goofy as heck oh, until he refines nice. it later. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Indeed. That would remind me of uh, like the messed up fusions from a Dragon Ball. <laughs> yeah. Always a good time. Quite so. But uh, again, it is my suspicion that Act 3 is going to end for the next few chapters. And Act 4 will be mostly this and wrapping up the Momonosuke Yamato business that is happening elsewhere. But uh, anything else you have to say on this chapter before we move on to the reread? No, it was a good one. I'm looking forward to the next. All right. There is another Shonen Jump break next week. Next chapter releases on January 16th. There we go. One and done. Uh, And that takes (laughs) us into the reread. All right, this one's easy. We're going from one spooky introduction to the next. (laughs) Quite so. So uh, I kind of went about it a little differently this time not hugely but just a little bit um first thing i want to talk about is just brooke's introduction it is amazing (laughs) and perfect in so many ways oh yes i know we just got frankie and all but clearly we were overdue uh, a brand new crew member to join immediately upon being met that's well that's also something (laughs) that i well it's it's one of the things i wanted to talk about because like yeah, usually we have to wait quite a while between crew members, and then this starts off just right off the bat. Uh, it it kind of perfectly sets up the arc as a whole, and Brooke as a character. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's all about subverting expectations. Uh, yeah, 100%. Like you said, it starts to characterize Brooke like, immediately as like this really lonely guy because he like somebody asked him to go with them and he's like yes mm-hmm. you're a human being uh I, <laughs> please take me with you of course it turns out that he can't because he's got special circumstances that mean that he can't leave the fluorine triangle but uh if he could he would have left with them right there <laughs> yeah well and also beyond that like he he presents himself as a quote-unquote gentleman, but then, <laughs> like, 50% of the things he does is some of the rudest <laughs> shit I've ever seen. Like, him uh, him immediately going from, like, oh, yeah, I love this time waiting for, for the meal to show up, and then just pounding on the table with the utensils and yelling dinner <laughs> with such gusto. It's Quite so. amazing. It's uh, perfect for this it's it's really good because we get a lot of that in thriller bark as a whole uh this chunk specifically is set up to have these subversions these contradictions like to help build the story um like we eventually get some of the crew members onto the mainland and sadly it is the most timid trio the world has ever seen uh and they are used as as a way to really ground the island 
and set a level for an average person. Like, all of these things would be terrifying to us if we were there, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's ghosts, invisible people, Cerberuses, zombies, stitched together tree people. Like, there's (laughs) so many things that would be the worst. Um, And also, the island itself just seems to, like, you know, produce this gloom and fog. (laughs) So all of the factors are playing together to make this just a bad time. Indeed. And Oda sends like the most relatable to the audience characters that the Straw Hats have to really up the spook factor when they initially arrive. And then send the, uh, (laughs) the beefers who have a different experience, (laughs) uh, around the second time to, uh, Kind of make it more of a cartoonish One Piece experience, which yeah, it's a nice little uh, what's the term dichotomy? Uh, yes, it's it's really good. Uh, just the the setup and the payoff, fantastic. Indeed. And it's interesting that eventually it hits sort of a middle ground with um. Well, with Luffy and Zoro and Sanji being taken. Um, oh, yeah. And being introduced to the enemy side to varying degrees. Um, but, like, you end up in the middle. Like, the the so-so people of the crew. Which are still extremely formidable, obviously. But even Indeed. Brooke shows up and he solidly lands in that chunk, too. And it's... It's satisfying to hit that median or whatever. Yeah. I really like that we get to hang out with Frankie in particular mm-hmm. and Robin as well, because we don't see too much Robin interactions in the story, just in general. Um, but the stakes have just been risen to an impressive high, because the three main guys have just been caught. And then we get to hang out with the middle section, like you said, uh, see how they handle things when the main guys are away. And I think they handle things quite well. Yeah. All things considered. <laughs> yeah. It's also... Well, yeah, they did a lot of fun stuff. They, I don't know, they thought on their feet and, yeah, handled themselves well. But um, I wanted to note on how, like, even though the big three have been taken out of commission, Oda does give us, like, a little bit of hope in seeing that, like, their personality is still in there and uh sanji in particular like has it break through the whatever the curse the hypnotism i don't i have no idea what this would be considered but like (laughs) even that just gives you like the smallest little pinprick of light that says like okay yeah all uh, well obviously not all is lost because we're reading a manga but like you can see the start of how this can turn even at the beginning of the conflict. And I think that's super neat. Indeed. Perhaps one day we'll return to Thriller Bark. Uh, Moria will put Sanji's shadow back into that penguin dog creature. Mm-hmm. And he'll be a, a full-time crew member. Yeah, that's that's also where he'll get a proper photo of him taken for his bounty. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but it'll have like the wrong name on it it'll be like vince mode sanji something that sanji hates and then like black lake sanji or whatever sanji prefers 
that'll be on the dog poster. Oh, of course. Go. It has to be. <laughs> yeah. Poor guy. It rough out there. Yeah. Yeah. Just to harp on Sanji a little bit more, uh, he also gets shit on a little bit here because the only reason he got put into a terrible dog creature is because they didn't recognize him from his wanted poster. Poor guy. Yeah, it's rough being him, but I think he, he ends up handling it pretty well. And it's especially good because no matter who's looking at the picture, right, either... That either they will recognize Sanji as that drawing, or they won't, depending yeah. on which scenario will be funnier or worse for Sanji. Yeah, he he's never been able to win, and he never will, and that's fine. Yeah, he doesn't guy. really deserve it, honestly. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't been through enough. It's okay. No, it'll it'll build for quite some time. Uh, I think in this chunk we get the first mention of wano is that correct um i think that's true i can't think of any times wano has been specifically mentioned prior to this uh there's of course the theory that like the land of sakura blossoms that um mm -hmm. uh dr hero look talked about way back in the day was wano um, but that's just speculation so yes i think this is the first hard mention of wano we've gotten Okay. Yeah, that's still interesting to me to see how far back any seeds were planted. And just to try to think about what's going on in Oda's brain. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I give that mm, 10 seconds and then it's too much for me. <laughs> Indeed. And, like, the first thing we see out of Wano is Ryuma's corpse, which is, like, the beefiest man Wano has ever produced, apparently. So that's pretty neat, I guess. <laughs> And this man is probably also an ancestor to Zoro. So, all fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see if there's any sort of nod to that in here, but I don't think so. Like, they just call him a legendary warrior, swordsman, or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be tough to hint at that um, when the personality is Brooks. That's um, true, yeah. If it were like a hazy, memoried, actual Ryuma in there, then maybe there could be some hints. But uh, I guess we'll see as we read more. Yeah. Uh, Ryuma, or whatever, the zombie of him, takes out all three of the cowards in one move, pretty sure. Uh, really just showing that, like, okay, yeah, they kind of steamrolled the first bunch of obstacles but uh this isn't going to be any walk in the park so the stakes just keep getting raised higher and higher as oda is wont to do um he's doing his usual thing of splitting the crew up more and more uh but this time i do enjoy them being reintroduced as enemies like that is fresh and fun um, and also like just as an overall note this well I'm extrapolating I don't remember the whole arc but at least <laughs> for the beginning like this is a time to really pay attention to the art while reading it I find oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I find that a lot of the times I end up just going from text to text because, I don't know, I, I'm more used to reading books, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but, like, if you're not looking at the weird creations in the background and the, <laughs> like, really neat gothic architecture that's going on, then you're missing out on, like, half of the enjoyment of this arc. Oh, yeah, really missing out if you're not paying attention because there are some... Uh... Some goobers among these zombies, for sure. Oh, yeah. And uh, because this is a spooky arc, uh, Oda's drawing with a lot more blacks than he usually does um, to really get that tone across. Well done. Well yeah. done, big guy. Pays off in a big way. I like <laughs> seeing it. I like the boldness of it. Um, and I'm sure that continues throughout. But uh, I am pretty excited for this arc. Uh I'll admit that, like, when I was doing the reading for last episode, when we were finishing up uh, Water 7, I ended up peeking my head into Thriller Bark, and I just, I really didn't want to put it down, because I just, <laughs> I, I, I love the start of this arc. It's so good, and Brooke is such a fascinating character to learn more about, and I remember there being some, like, big moments and cool fights in this, too. So, like, we have a lot to look forward to. Indeed. Thriller Bark is one of the ones that people tend to put lower down on their like tier lists or whatever that they like to make. Um, but I always look back on it pretty favorably. I've got a, I mean, this is a anecdotal emotional experience that isn't like related to like the quality of the story, but uh, <laughs> I have a fond memory of me like going on camp a camping trip with my family back in the day and uh, like sitting poolside at like a one of those like shitty campsite pools and you know instead of participating in family activities i was very busy reading the physical volume of thriller bark <laughs> that i got from the library shortly before uh making this trip so for that and you know i also enjoy the art for what it is uh i always think back fondly on this one yeah i mean there's there's so much good in it and the uh, the comedy like if we were to even try to list all the comedy <laughs> bits in this one it would take like three hours. Yeah. There is so much comedy in here. And uh, it's lovely. Like none of it's overdone in my opinion. And mm -hmm. uh, I think, again, there's just more to come. I especially liked that Oda like really turned up the comedy knob to 11 and what is supposed to be like the horror themed arc. Yeah, <laughs> it's... That's Again, classic him. it's subversion of expectations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's the whole thing. It's, I mean, it's that's... especially neat, like in the narrative. Um, I meant to touch on this earlier, but forgot to. Uh, <laughs> when Brooke first shows up, he's like a spooky guy, right? He's like a skelly man or whatever. And that's, you know, that's a scary thing. Um, but that kind of like sets the tone for the entirety of the arc. Yeah. Um, a horror theme where there's where things appear bad and haunted and such but everything is actually explained using a reasonable explanation for this franchise um definitely right. power related um and the same thing goes for the tone uh brooke is a shelly man with some silly quirks about him and the same is true for thriller bark itself yeah that's that's what i was trying to get across at the beginning of this i, I don't know if I said it quite as well, but 
I'm glad you did. <laughs> um, and then the last note I had, uh, aside from the uh, funny boy bits, was uh, Moria has a few very beefy corpses in his employ. Uh, we already touched on Ryuma a little bit before, who is apparently like the strongest samurai ever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also has uh, Captain John, who is an original rocks pirate and keeper of Buggy's coveted treasure. And we see him in this chunk and never again, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. <laughs> and he doesn't even do anything. He like nope. has some barbed words towards Absalom a little bit. Yeah, he uh, like moves slowly and he's just like, ah, yeah. oh, that guy. Yeah, you see him in like that spread shot where Frankie and them are about to fight, like the all the general zombies and like the Coliseum thing. But you don't see any fighting. You don't see him do anything. <laughs> but, Super weird, indeed. And of course, there's Ors himself, who is an ancient giant. Um, so that's pretty notable too, I guess. But uh, I'd like to see more of this Captain John guy. But I am bummed out to know that it's just not going to happen. Yeah, sorry, man. Just had to get the name out there, and that's, you know, a check in a box, and we're done. <laughs> I guess so. I imagine Oda just didn't have especially large plans for him uh, at this point. No. And then decided to maybe write him as a Roth pirate as an Easter egg, perhaps. But sure does make this weird in retrospect. <laughs> yeah, and we'll never know. So, on to the funny business? <laughs> uh, certainly. The first one I had um, was like the first thing that happened in this chapter. Uh, the boys get a little bit overexcited about their new aquarium, and it uh, immediately has pretty bad <laughs> results for uh, both their aquarium and uh, all the fish living within. They grab a shark, throw it in there, and oh no, wouldn't you know it, <laughs> the shark ate all the other fish. Yeah, they basically just Nuts. recreated the ecosystem around them inside <laughs> their shanty. Except in this scenario, the fish had nowhere to flee. <laughs> nope, no way to fight back, nowhere to flee, just done so. Mm-hmm. Poor guys. Um, Brooke casually drinking tea while everybody freaks out about his lack of shadow, and then immediately following that up with him uh, saying to be continued as he's trying to brush <laughs> off, having to explain... <laughs> And oh, then bro. immediately explaining it anyway after being yelled at. Yeah, <laughs> Indeed. a very good exchange. Quite so. Uh, the fox head of the Severus monster taking deep personal offense that Usopp noticed that he was a fox and not a dog. And then that creating problems for Usopp and co. immediately thereafter. Poor I'd be sensitive about it. Indeed. Um, I guess if I were stitched onto a dog body with two dog heads, I'd be upset about it too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, of course, gotta mention Sanji's failure to jump into the <laughs> sound or whatever. Yeah, it started out looking cool with that like shine behind his head as he made the <laughs> jump, and then it immediately goes way south for that guy. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Luffy pushes the zombie back into the ground after it comes out. He's just like, mm-hmm. no, you belong there. <laughs> You're a corpse. Stay where you belong, you silly boy. <laughs> uh, 
Um, a personal favorite of mine, Luffy saying, an old man with severe injuries, multiple times. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and then and one so. time it actually is, like, oh, the light. The one time he thinks it's probably a zombie. No, turns out it is indeed an old man with severe injuries that mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody, including Dr. Hogback himself, gladly eating the pudding right off the table. <laughs> oh, it was a <laughs> little bit gross. The whole no plates thing is funny, but like, ugh, just imagining the, what it, what was it, spaghetti soup being dumped mm-hmm. on a table? Just like, ugh. They clarify that it's a very clean tablecloth. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're good. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, also, Sindri just, like, A, only throwing plates at Usopp, but B, (laughs) uh, the fact that, like, she was throwing the plates and counting them off, and then we get an explanation of her fake background at the ninth plate, and then on the next page, we get the payoff of the tenth plate being thrown at Usopp, even though she's been told to stop. So good. <laughs> Indeed. It's interesting that I'm sure Hogbat has been like granted control over the zombies by Moria, but I guess just not as efficiently as the others. The like uh, animal zombies clap back at Absalom a little bit. Um, and even his guys, like Lola, don't fully follow his orders. So, yeah, unless you're Moria himself, you don't have full control over these guys. And that's a neat little bit of insight into uh, how Moria's power worked. It's not funny, but uh, <laughs> it did come to my head just now. I mean, it also leads to some funny situations. Yeah, like that's true. The, the zombies calling him Perf Salam, and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> just generally being like. Oh man, we gotta go chase people. Like yeah. that is is very good. They um, sure do like to raz Absalom a lot. Yes. In his in fairness, he does deserve that and much more. Yeah, he but, sucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Terrible, um, terrible man. One um, thing that I forgot about until just now is oh, kind of a knock against Zoro. Sorry, everyone. But uh just I'm in the last personal offense to this so yeah tread lightly sir <laughs> uh but like just at the end of the last arc he was talking about how important it is to follow the captain and do what the captain says and how Usopp needed to learn that lesson and then immediately at the start of this arc he's like okay we need to send people with Luffy to prevent him from doing <laughs> what he wants to do <laughs> um I agree. That is a little bit strange that the immediacy of those two things happening. Mm-hmm. But like the states in the situation are very different. Yeah, it's also good natured. Like it's yeah. it's a very minor knock against him. But you're yes, you said it right there. The immediacy of it is what gets me. Like Soros generally correct that like oh Luffy's in charge. We should do as he says so that like the structure of the crew when things get bad uh remains intact right but he also is a realist and understands that luffy is an enormous goofball to put it lightly (laughs) so a little bit of a supervision may be required on occasion (laughs) 
for sure for sure um i guess i'm glad that zoro is the adult out of everyone <laughs> indeed um the last uh especially funny bit i had noted down was just kind of the entirety of the uh the like beef or five as i refer to them in my notes uh <laughs> reaction to the spooky island versus the weakling trios uh <laughs> The first thing they do is encounter the the Severus, and the Severus is like, okay, here I go, I'm going to spook another set of guys, and they are just nonplussed by him. It was probably safer in hell, says Sanji. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh. Yeah, I think uh, Robin like calls it cute, and <laughs> Luffy immediately tries to tame it. It's <laughs> delightful. And does so by punching it in the face so that it falls down, and then... <laughs> Calls that a trick. <laughs> oh, good boy. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, again, it would have taken so much effort to name them all. I, I thought of a few more while we were just talking, but tough, everyone. <laughs> read, read the dang yeah. thing. Read One Piece. Sheesh. Um, but if that is all you have to say, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap up. Like I said before, break next week. Next chapter releases on January 16th. Feel free to send in your thoughts on this new chapter and or the reread via email to inheritedwillpodcasts at gmail.com, on Twitter to inherited underscore will, or simply in a comment on the YouTube video or the platform of your choosing. As always, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.